Hello, welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is the Meep part of Stump, that is Mary Pat Campbell. Getting away from fraud this week, getting back to taxes, that is public finance. And there's a little part of death in here in terms of I'm looking at demographics and being able to support public finance uh, through taxes. And there's two parts to this. So first, there was a tweet from Elon Musk earlier in the week where he had retweeted or tweeted something from the Wall Street Journal where it was the U.S. total fertility rate. And I'll do a post on the total fertility rate another time. There is something misleading about the total fertility rate in a way that is similar to, uh, say, the life expectancy that you often see, but it's not as misleading uh, in the way that it lags. It only lags by, you know, 20 years as opposed to the life expectancy uh, numbers that you often see. Anyway, it's a graph where you see the total fertility rate going back to 1940, going up to about 2021. And in 1940, you see a total fertility rate that's about, say, 2.2. And then it's going up and down. Um, You see a couple of spikes and drops. So you can see where World War II occurred. There was a very small baby boom in 1946. As I often say, there's a pent-up demand. And it actually fell right after. Uh, So it was a short-lived baby boom. Part of that, of course, is due to the Korean War. But then, of course, it steadily climbed throughout the 1950s, peaking at about 3.7 or 3.8 at the end of the 1950s. And this is what I have to keep reminding people. The peak of the baby boom actually occurred around 1957 or 1958 in terms of number of births. And then it was woo! like a big old roller coaster going down to the trough of the baby bust in the mid-1970s. And that's when I was born in the golden age of Gen X. And there weren't as many kids. Yay. Um, And they just ignored us. Uh, In any case, we fell below what was called the replacement level, which is a little above two. It's about 2.1. And the trough, it was about 1.7... I believe about 1.7 in 1976 or 1977. It was pretty low for a while and it came back up. It peaked, you know, around two in 1989 and then it went down for a while and then it peaked a little bit above 2.1 um, in two th- mid 2000s and then it came way down again and it's just been sliding down. And a lot of the sliding down, and this is what they're not telling you, is because teen pregnancy has just plummeted. And as I said, I'll do a post on this later. It's just plummeted. But also the pregnancy rate, or I should say the fertility rate, it's live births. This actually has nothing to do with how many people get pregnant. It has to do with how many births occur. Um, So anyway, uh, so the birth rate for those in their 20s has actually been sliding down as well. It used to be the peak 
birth ages for mothers was in the early 20s, so age 20 to 24 about, um, and that shifted to 25 to 29. And now, if I remember correctly, it's in the early 30s. And that's partly the reason why this total fertility rate is a little misleading because of how it's calculated. It just assumes that there is a steady state in terms of how people have babies across their fertile period. And that has never been true. In any case, uh, Ellen, he tweeted this, with the comment that the USA birth rate has been below minimal sustainable levels for about 50 years. And that's true. Um, you know, I'm pushing, I'm 48 years old and I'm in the baby bust. Uh, and it's been below this 2.1 for 50 years. And then his follow-up was contrary to what many think, the richer someone is, the fewer kids they have. I'm a rare exception. Most people I know have zero or, or one kid, and most people he knows, of course, are very rich. Um, and this is the relevance. It, it actually used to be opposite. It used to be that rich people, like, say, think of the Roosevelts, uh, were the ones that had lots of kids, or I should say lots of living kids, because if you were actually poor, your kids had a pretty good chance of dying uh, before adulthood. Uh, you know, disease and malnutrition and all of that, poor people actually could starve to death. Uh, that does not happen too often anymore in the United States. In any case, um, the relevance here is that public finance is based on assuming there will be people to show up who will be paying the bills. This comes up and obviously public pensions is a big part of what I like to look at. I haven't been posting about it a lot, uh, but what with what's going on with the stock market and alternative assets, I really do need to circle back and post on that some more because the public pensions, when a lot of them are closing out their fiscal year in July or, you know, June 30th, they're going to have some bad news to report. Um, the mortality, the extra mortality in their pension plans are really not going to make up for the pain that they will have been hurting from in their asset side. Well, they have been assuming that there will be more people and there will be more people able to pay the tax bills that are going to be coming to pay for these pensions. And of course, it's not just pensions. It's also Social Security. It's also Medicare. But when you don't have enough babies and of course, we still have to deal with the boomers and the boomers. I mentioned that that peak boomer year was 1957, 1958. Well, you know, they're eligible <laughs> for social security. Um, maybe you noticed that. And a lot of them have been retiring through the pandemic. And yes, we're going to have that strain. And they didn't have enough kids. So those are the ones who didn't get born in the 70s and 80s. Uh, they didn't have enough kids. There's not enough of a tax base. So those are the ones that are already baked in. Then there's the ones for the future. 
So here comes my second part of this episode, as it were. The Census Bureau also put something out this week where they estimated from, they do estimates of population change from July 1st to July 1st. So not only do you have fiscal years uh, for most government entities in the U.S. that run from, you know, say July 1st to June 30th, uh, you have these census estimates for population that run July 1st to July 1st. And yeah, the, these are based on surveys. Uh, obviously, the 2020 census, now that's based off of an April 1st, and there were problems with the census and yada yada. They do estimates based on various household surveys. They quote, true up going from April 1st to July 1st, and then they go from July 1st to July 1st and yada yada. And um, I will put this on this episode notes for the podcast. Um, they have a little map. How is population shifting in cities or towns in your state? And they have a choropleth or a map chart, as they call it, in Excel. And you can, it's interactive and you can hover your mouse over the particular state. And it runs from negative 2.9. So this is the amusing part. This must be, in this visualization, they have like a dark orange going to a dark blue of for the 15 largest cities or towns in the state. And they must be showing like, say, the median or the average for this change from July 1st, 2020 uh, to 2021 because in New York state, so that's where I am, the largest city obviously is New York City, and it went down, it, it decreased 3.5%. And the scale they're showing me is negative 2.9, so it's off the scale for New York City. And of course, New York City is pretty large, so um, it went from 8. 77 so 8,772,000. And this is a false precision. Uh, beyond, I'm not believing, of course, the precision they're showing. Um, so the New York state total percent change in population. So I think the, the colors are for the state percentage change, but for the city uh, percentage change, it's negative uh, 3.5% for the state percentage change, it's negative 1.6% over one year. That's actually quite a lot. Um, the worst one is Washington, D.C., it looks like, and that's the one that's negative 2.9, uh, which I can totally believe. Everybody just got out of town. You know, why be there? Um, <laughs> if everything is closed down, if Congress is not doing its thing. Now, I'm sure a lot of those people have come back uh, to D.C., and some of the people have come back to New York City, I'm sure. But this is a problem. Let me look at Illinois. That's another one, of course, I like to pick on. Went down negative 0.9, so decreased 0.9%. That's the entire state. Chicago decreasing 1.6%, so negative 1.6%. And that's uh, 2.74 million to two point, well, actually seven zero million. I'm I'm going to round because I believe that um, 
again, this is a false precision. This is obviously based off of survey estimates. If you get their spreadsheets, they will give you like confidence intervals. Um, you know, they, they're not, I wish they wouldn't put it like to a, a single person on these because it's a lie and they know it's a lie. In any case, um, they're not going to give you fractional people because that would make the lies so obvious. Um, in any case, a lot of the states increased. It's blue. And the ones that decreased are like New York State, Pennsylvania, um, Massachusetts, West Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Illinois, North Dakota, California, Louisiana. Um, we've got, uh, let's see, Mississippi, Hawaii. So it's it's kind of interesting which ones they're estimating went down in population. And, and some of them are awash uh, in population and the ones that went up. Now, some of them, again, like Idaho, well, Idaho doesn't, yeah, it went up 2.9% in population, but it's not a very large population state to begin with. Okay, so that's enough talking about numbers, but here is the problem. So the problem is this, uh, a city like Chicago already has a whole bunch of debts it has accrued from operational costs, not capital costs, but operational costs from the past that it is trying to pay down. And the way it has been dealing with this in the past is because it's been losing population for a long time, um, is that it has been twisting the arm of the state of Illinois to help cover some of its costs. That's that's part of it, but the problem is the state of Illinois itself is losing population. This was before the pandemic. The pandemic has only made things worse. That is true for New York State as well. New York State, that said, New York State is in a better place than Illinois because all of these decades, New York State has been better about paying its operational costs as it's been amassing the bills. And what are these operational costs, you may ask? Some of them are what you really think. It's like Medicaid costs, services rendered, and they have to pay them right now. That's one of the things that Illinois is notorious about, this vendor bills program. And I have talked about this in the past. Um, I shouldn't say talked, I've written about it in the past that Illinois gets behind on bills that everyone recognizes as operational. So that's one big deal. Now, and New York State is infamous for having very, very high Medicaid costs, but they are very good at covering those costs when they accrue them. I mean, when it's incurred, they pay those bills. They don't give them IOUs and say, yeah, maybe we'll pay you later. That's a problem Illinois has had for a long time. So that's number one. But the biggest one, of course, are the pension costs. Um, so pensions, you're promising that you're going to pay people in their retirement. Well, we pre-fund pensions. They earn their pension costs while they're working. That's an operational cost. It's not a capital cost. And you do not wait until they retire the, the the cost is not incurred 
Okay, sorry to use the fancy words, but it's not incurred at retirement. It's incurred when they earned it. And New York State recognizes this. Accounting recognizes this. Now, whether it's fully valued properly, that's another issue. Um, and New York State and California and a lot of other states, they are putting money aside as they are told to during the working lives of the public employees. So when they run into hard times and taxpayers and the tax base erodes, they're in a better place to cover those costs. But Illinois has deliberately short-changed the pensions for decades. They have a huge, <laughs> huge unfunded pension liability. And now the bill is coming due and now the taxpayers uh, have moved away. So that's a big problem and an even bigger problem. And this is not just Illinois. This is everybody. So this is New York State. This is California and this is others. Part of the problem is when they're valuing or when they're figuring out the schedule of how much money you need to contribute to the pensions during the working life is there is a big assumption of an increasing payroll over time an increasing tax base over time that more will be paid later. Well, if that tax base does not show up, if there isn't more later, guess who's screwed? Well, you can try to squeeze blood out of a stone. You can try to increase tax rates on the taxpayers who are left, but there's no reason they have to stay there. And that's what many Illinois, specifically Chicago taxpayers, have found out. There had been warnings. I mean, Puerto Rico and Detroit were big warnings to everybody. Detroit lost a lot of population and Puerto Rico lost a lot of population in very quick order. Um, Detroit, they at least had an art museum that they could take hostage. Puerto Rico, I guess what they could take hostage that is that they could semi-threaten to leave the United States, but that's, that's a whole mess that I don't even want to talk about right now. Um, in any case, it's the whole country, and you could say, well, we can bring in more immigrants, but the issue is you're trying to talk about building a tax base and you need to have a tax base that can actually pay for what has been promised. Elon Musk is talking about rich people. Yes, I mean, obviously his family were immigrants and they came when he was young. Um, we can get more immigrants like that, sure, but will there be enough of them to pay? And the problem is fertility rates are dropping worldwide for the same reasons, <laughs> okay? Uh, people can choose how many children they have. And most, a lot of people, as their societies are getting richer and getting more developed, a lot of people are deciding to have zero children. And I don't know who they think, uh, who they think are going to buy their assets from them or provide retirement services. That should be interesting to see. 
what they think or who's going to provide the cash flows that are going to be their social security or even the medical services. So Japan, please get working more on those robots. You are great at inventing um, because of course, Japan has gotten there before the United States. Their population has been aging and shrinking in terms of numbers. So we can watch what happens with them before it happens to the United States. So that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. Enjoy.